This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Well, this morning, because we teach on, in series, we've already laid some foundation. And the foundation is we're finding out, because God has given us a dispensation, that we must maximize this dispensation. We went to John chapter 17, and we dealt with some things. And I'm not going to go about uh, go with all of those different things because we'll use up the time we have for the new information. But I'm just going to touch on some things that we talked about this morning and flow right into the new information. But because God has given us a dispensation, a span of time, determined by Him to get the job done of whatever the assignment might be. If you belong to this ministry, you're under an assignment. You're under assignment according to this local church. Personal assignments that God is dealing with you in your life. A dispensation is only a span of time. It's not forever. Sometimes people think that God is going to deal with them forever about a thing. But that's not the way it works. God sets out and dispenses to each and every one of us a span of time. And he said, I'm giving you this time to get it done. So it's imperative that you know what he wants you to do since you only have a span of time. Now, God is not saying, I'm giving you a span of time, but now you're going to just have to wiggle your way through and see what I want because your time might just run out on you. No, that's why you get up under a minute. You sit up under ministry, you're taught, and then you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. Now, it might not be what you personally want to do, but it's not about you. It's about His purpose. His purpose is bigger than your desire and what you want to do. You want to obey God's voice. Amen? And so in that, we said that we don't have forever, and that God has determined a beginning and an ending. It's already said. God has already gave your dispensation, your span of time, a beginning and an ending. And you got to work it within that time. You don't want time to run out on you because we found out that time is not yours. Time belongs to God. And He's just given you just a little bit of it. Now, remember, in eternity, there is no time. But while you're on this side, there is time. You have a time limit. It's not yours. You can't buy time. You can't steal time. You can't re-earn time. You can't do it all over again. Once time is gone, it's gone. So you don't want to miss it because then you wonder, what is it? You don't want to wake up one day and spend all your time just struggling in the things of God. You want a miserable walk. And then you act like, oh, walking with God is so hard. We make it hard. God doesn't make it hard. God makes it. Obedience makes it easy. But when you rebel, it's going to always be hard. It's going to always be something that you're trying to do. Then we said in order to complete God's purpose for your life, you have to meet requirements. God has requirements for you. And you have to meet those requirements. When you're not just, you can't just do your own thing. A lot of people think they can do their own thing in the body of Christ. You cannot. God sets you in the body as He sees fit. He gives you an assignment. He gives you the requirement. You can't do anything outside of that. If it is, then you're doing your own thing. God is let me, God has it all mapped out already. He predetermined it. 
Before you was born, it was predetermined. I don't care how you got here. I don't care what the circumstances are, how you got here. God already had a plan for your life. You just need to find that plan and get in and make it happen. Amen? And then we said, what does that word uh, finish means or bring it into completion? We said it's to bring something to a state of perfection or maturity so that it can continue with excellence. Now, we got to bring it into perfection, whatever it is God is calling you to, to maturity. And then so it can continue. Whatever God is calling you to do, it's not going to stop at you. That's why you leave things for the next generation. You leave, there's someone coming behind you. God said, but when you get through with it, I want it to be in perfection. I want it to be matured. And I want you to leave it where it's in excellence. So the next person that can pick it up can move forward with it. Are you following me? So that's why you can't jump in and out of things, jump in and out of church. You gotta settle down, you gotta be still, you gotta say, God, I need to know what I was, you can't go around and try to find a church that's gonna agree with what you want to do. Now you might find one, but you'll be all out of the will of God. I said you'll be all out of the will of God. I gotta know exactly what God wants me to do. And I told you about time, you can't re-earn it. You can't repurchase it. Time. You don't want it to get away. Time is valuable. Everybody say that. Time is valuable. I'm telling you, I've never learned that so much as I did on September 1st of last year. How valuable time is. And I never let that get out of my sight. I never let it get out of my focus. I never let it get far away from me. I keep it close to me how important time is. And I try not to let any of it get away. I try not to waste it. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And I can tell you why that, that, that how you can understand that time is not yours and it belonged to God. Because if time was mine, I would bring it back to September 1st. And change everything because it was my time. But it's not my time. See, a lot of things we think we could just go back. If it it was your time, you could go, you could change a lot of things. You could rewind a lot of things and say, oh no, I'm going back. And you can only steal time. And when you steal it, then you're stealing it from another place that needs that time. So it's not your time. If you get that in your head, you won't waste it. You can't, God said, I'm going to hold you accountable for the time that you gave me. You know, when you read in the scripture where he said, well, the talent I gave you, what did you do with it? You know, you wouldn't change that scripture at all if it said, the time that I gave you, what did you do with it? I hid mine. I didn't do nothing because I knew you was a hard guy. You lazy, slothful servant, he said. You wasted that time. He said, I'm going to take what you have and give it to the one, another one. Same thing. I cannot waste time. We're not here to do that. Then we said, we must make wise use of every opportunity that God has given us. Every opportunity. Now, first you have to recognize an opportunity. Now, I'm going to tell you, those young people we were talking to this morning, they have to recognize that this morning was an opportunity. You got to recognize this morning was an opportunity. See, if you don't recognize the opportunity, you'll let it get past you. But you, if you, when you recognize the opportunity, then you have to make good that opportunity. Let me jump on that. Let me get that because that's an opportunity. I see it. This morning was an opportunity. 
recognize when he gives it to you. Then we said the word restore. Because God has given us an essential assignment in this ministry to restore this generation. Because they're lost, they're hurting, they're confused, they've been devalued by the world, they've been devalued by the church, they've been devalued by, they devalued themselves by making wrong decisions, wrong choices. All kind of things have been, been, been happening to them. God said, but the essential work for, that I want you to do in this time is to bring them back. I want them healed. I want them delivered from all the foolishness that they're in. I want them to be rebuilt. I want them to be repaired. And so God is calling us in this time to repair the breach, repair the things that are happening in the young people's lives, where the, this generation that's going to take on everything. And, and uh, uh, Isaac said it this morning. I'm like, this world is changing. Pastor Hugh said it before he left. He said, this world is changing. Al, this world is changing. You need to do something different. He gave me instructions. He said, you do something different because this world is changing. It's not like it used to be. And so God will give you instructions because we think we can't do things like we did it before. See, if your children ever ask you, uh, how was it in the, okay, you know, they're called your days, the olden days. How was it in the olden days? How was it, how was it with you? Tell them, you, let me demonstrate to you how it was in the old, older days. Cut off the cable and take their cell phone. Say, that's how it was. They'll be like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't live then. But that's how it was. Take that. Say, this is, let me, let me show you how we lived. Without a cell phone. We didn't have cable. But we think, you know, this is, because our children think what's going on now, we've always done that. And we act like, we act, I mean, most of us in here act like we cannot go anywhere without a cell phone. You look for your cell phone before you look for a purse. Some people will look for a cell phone before they look for their child. I don't know where she went, but where's my phone? Because they act like they, you know, like we've never done without them. We gotta have the cell phone. We gotta, I'm telling you, when this, the fast that we to come upon, some of you are going to cause you to pass that. You know what? I'm not going to tell you any personal thing that God is telling me. I'm going to give you what God has given me for the fast, for, for, all, for the congregation. Now, you got God deal with you personally yourself. Now, we're doing a fast as a congregation, corporately, but you have to also let God deal with you personally about some things that you're going to have to deal with personally. Whatever it is. And you don't have to tell anybody. You know what? That's the best. You don't have to tell anybody about anything that you're doing and what God is dealing with you about. I, it's none of your business what God is doing. That's between me and God. But now our corporate fast, we all are going to know exactly what God is doing. Get ready. I'm giving you plenty of time to get ready. I know you think I haven't forgotten, I haven't forgotten about it, and God haven't either. And the reason why God is because He's dealing with you. Some of you have never been on a real fast. You've been on a diet. But God is calling us to a real fast. Get ready. Amen. So we are going to restore. We're going to rebuild. We're going to heal this next generation. That is our essential work. We're going to move forward because 
we went over those things. Then I told you the objectives of this series of teaching that we'll be teaching. And I told you several things that in the next several weeks that I will be dealing with on a constant basis. And I said, first of all, I want to deal with us about uh, we need to learn how the importance of getting to the end at the beginning and, and understanding the assignment that God, how do I see the end and then come back, come to the start and get started? If you never see the end of what God is doing, if you never see the end of anything and then go back and get started, how do you, how, how do you, how do you think you're going to do that? But God will show you the end, won't tell you nothing about what's going to go on in the middle, and then take you at the beginning and say, now get started and get there. And you don't have to worry about everything in the middle if he's shown you the end. All I got to do is I'm waiting on instructions through until I get to the end, whatever it may be, from the, from the start to the end. That's all I have to do. Your part is just simply obey. You don't have to worry, oh, God, it's an obstacle that's keeping me from getting... You don't have to worry about that. Obedience to God will get you through every obstacle. Because there's always, everybody say always, going to be opposition when God gives you something to do. Because you never forget you have an adversary. And he's going to always be there. There'll be opposition, but obedience will break that every time. No, no, listen to me. Prayer won't break that. Obedience. Then pray. See, we think we can pray through everything and be disobedient. And then wonder why it don't work. Well, it's never going to work if all you're doing is just praying. And prayer is good and prayer changes things. But if you're not obedient, I guarantee you, if you're not obedient, you're not even praying correctly. You're not being effective in prayer. Closing your eyes long and rolling on the floor and spitting up and crying and all that. That's not effective prayer. That's emotional garb that you're just making yourself feel good about. Effective prayer is praying the way he said pray and doing what he said do. Then I'm effective. The effectual prayer of the righteous availeth and makes great power available. The effective prayer is of the righteous. So I can't be unrighteous and pray and think I'm going to be effective. It doesn't work. So you can't say prayer don't work. Prayer always works. And prayer is always effective. Righteousness is what you need to check on. Don't try to check God to make sure He's on. He's always on point. You the one fall asleep. He's a, he never sleeps or slumbers. So you don't have to check if He's going to do it right. He always wants to do it right. He's ready to do it right. He said, you're the one tying my hand. Oh yeah, you can tie the hand of God. Over your life, disobedience will slow everything down. If you ever want everything slowed down in your life, operate in disobedience. You'll see it'll start crawling like a snail. Like, why? Why is nothing coming to pass? Why? 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 It's like a snail because disobedience slows everything down. And then God tries to get you to get in here so you can get the word, so it can break. But you'll get in here, get the word, and get offended instead of saying, you know what, that's for me. That's for me. You got to make it, you, every message, you got to own it. You can't own it for your children. Your children can't own it for you. You can't own it for your spouse. Your spouse got to own it themselves. You just get in and own it. 
Say, I'm going to own this. I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to, I'm going to make this a reality for me. It'll rub off. Then we said, number two, we need to learn why is it that we cannot complete our assignment. These are teachings that we will be teaching. Then we want to learn how to go to the end and then get started. Then also we said we wanted to teach that when we, what we need to learn is to how to organize time. Oh my God, God has got me straight on that. And just looking at things and meditating on things and researching things about organizing time, I'm telling you, God. See, you have to make, I have to make it mine before I deliver it to you. He'll say, now this is what I want you to talk about, but I'm going to deal with you about it first. Because I believe in my heart, nobody can teach with conviction unless you, you first come into revelation of it. You have to have revelation. Oh, anybody can teach anything, but it's not until you have revelation of it that it impacts. And I told you before, I don't teach to impress. I don't teach to get amens. I teach for impact. I want impact. I want it to impact your life. I want it to change your life. I want things to be different for you. So I don't care if nobody ever say amen. Does it impact you? Does it make a difference in your life? Does it make you think? Does it leave you out here looking like, I am so, I just want to just, why am I so stupid? Then I know you've been impacted. You know, because you heard something. Why am I so foolish? You know, you get in the car and you cry on the way home where nobody sees you. I've made an impact. That's what it's all about for me. It's not about what you think I am and who you think I am. Because let me tell you, this walk for me is exactly like yours. I gotta walk in righteousness. I gotta walk in holiness. I gotta be righteous. I gotta count it an honor and a privilege to stand before God's people. I gotta live my life in such a manner, in such a way that the people of God will receive what I'm saying. Why? Because I've got revelation of it. You can do the same. And it's not just for ministers. It's not for pastors. Just for pastors. Oh, it's different for them. It's nothing different. You can get the same revelation. Amen? And then we want to teach you how we need to learn how to start over. And I told you start over doesn't mean starting from the beginning. You can, once something has happened, you can never start at the beginning. You start over. That's different. You don't start from the beginning. The beginning is already done. Starting over is totally different. When I say starting over, I mean I have done something. I didn't maximize this dispensation. Now I'm in another dispensation that God has given me. Remember, a dispensation is another span of time that God has given me. Now what do I do? And the problem has been, and has always been with God's people, is that they keep starting every dispensation the same way. And once you do that, you're in trouble. You can't, you can't start every dispensation the same way. That's the way cycles happen. Because something and changes. Every dispensation, there should be a change. So I need to know now, that's how you start over. You don't start from beginning. Okay, okay, I'm in a new dispensation. And then you go and do the exact same thing. I like the way Pastor used to say it. He said, you always do what you've always done. You're always going to get the same results. You're not going to get anything different. But everybody thinks it's different for them. No, it'll be different for me. No, it won't. 
I'm going to tell you straight up, it won't. Just like I tell young people, you try to tell them about relationships, they say, it's different for me. It's not. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen? So we, so we have to get in our mind. Every dispensation that I start, I have to start a different way. Amen? And then we said we need to learn how to finish or how to complete something within the dispensation, within the span of time that you have. I got to have, I got to complete it so that I can move on. And then we said that we need to learn this church and the church universal how to complete the assignments given. God is going to give you consignments, uh, assignments and you must complete them. And we said where well, there's no completion. Where there's nowhere, there, whenever you don't complete something with God, there will never be rest. You will never have a rest. Israel didn't, you won't either. When you disobey God and you do not do what He said, you will have no rest. And then I said, when you have no rest, what do you do? You're going to always, everybody say always, make painful adjustments all your life. You don't want to spend all of your life making painful adjustments. Oh, I messed up. Oh, well, now I gotta do this, and that's okay. I'm gonna do this. No, it's too. That's uh, wasted time. Wasted time again. Amen. And then we talked about. Mm, I told you that this message I, we've taught a long time ago, and you should get something now. You should get something out of this. I told you when we do what God told us to do, these three things are happen. God is gonna be glorified because it's His work. I told you when we complete a given assignment that we can move to the next level. God has a next level for you. But you can never be promoted without finishing something, without completing something. Now, let me tell you something. That, you get that concept in the world, but you can't get it in the, in the church. Nobody gets promoted on their job without having completed something and impressed somebody with it. They don't just look at you and say, oh, she's cute. Let's promote her. If they are, they try to have sex with you. Let's promote her to my office. You only get promoted after you've completed something. They see that you do and they be like, mm, mm mm-hmm. When a promotion come up, they deserve it. They have done this project, that project, and they are on point. And they did, you know, out of... 20 deals they did, I think, and through all of that, they made one mistake. How is that happen? No, they need to promote. They need to be leading. They need to teach others how to do that. Promotion. Where's the, I'm telling you, they get that principle from the things of God. And we want God to promote us to do everything, and we have completed nothing. I want to do this for God. But what have you completed that he told you? Well, I came up here and cleaned the church. <laughs> That's just natural stuff. That don't have nothing to do with God's purpose. That has to do with us having a clean bathroom. But what have you completed that He told you spiritually? Well, really nothing, but I love it. Well, okay. And He loves you too. But there will be no promotion. 
You got to first, you got to complete something. Impress God. See, if people would get outside of trying to impress man and impress God, you'll get a promotion. You don't have to uh, try to impress men. They won't be around for that. So, you got to keep in your head, God has a higher level of productivity for me. And I need to get to it. Then we said the third thing that will happen when you complete the work of the Lord is you will bless the lives of others. And that is rewarding. That is rewarding to bless the lives of, of, of others. And I told you how Jesus, we're using Jesus as our example. He, he, he's, he showed us. He said, on this rock I'll build my church. He laid the foundation. And he did a good job. Then I told you when we complete the work, we provide opportunities. We provide opportunities for other people. We have life and life eternal. We have to understand that we provide that. Then we said when we complete God's purpose, we provide greater works. People that are going to come after us need to be able to do greater works. You always want those that come behind you to do greater works. And then we said, last but not least, it is our responsibility of all of us to finish the work that God has given us. And, and we have to finish the work of this ministry before your span of time is up. Are you following me? Then, this is where we're starting the new information. We got up to, and I was telling you to go to Nehemiah. We're going to find out how Nehemiah dealt with, because remember what we're dealing with, why is it that I can't complete anything? Let's see how Nehemiah do it, and let's take it for example. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, let's deal with why we all have a problem bringing things into completion. Why don't we bring things to a level of perfection, maturity, and that they can continue in excellence? Now listen to this statement. Oftentimes, listen to me, it is not the intent of our hearts. It's not the intent of our hearts' desire to not complete something, but it's still the outcome. The outcome is still that we don't finish even though it's not in our heart not to finish. It's not the intent of our heart. We want to finish, but nevertheless, the outcome is we don't. I'll say it again. It's not the intent of our hearts to not finish. It's not our desire to not finish. I get that. God gets that. But it's the outcome is still the same. The outcome still is what it is. You, it's, you didn't finish. See, this, that, this is where the rubber meets the road, where you say, God knows my heart. God said, I understand that your heart didn't, did, wasn't trying not to finish, but you still didn't finish anything. You still didn't complete anything that I told you to do. So I want to help us this evening. Because there are many of us, everybody say many of us, myself included. See, I believe that will help you. Many of us, myself included, we can look back on our lives, look back in areas of life that we didn't complete something. Every one of you think of something right now. You didn't complete something. And it wasn't your intent not to complete it, but you didn't. And you even made excuses. But you didn't complete something. It was not in your heart not to, but you didn't. And, what, and when you left it there, 
It wasn't excellent. It wasn't excellent. So the outcome was what? I didn't complete anything. You know, it's funny. Just talking about completing things. It's funny. I never ever met a young person that didn't want to succeed. I mean young. When you ask them what they want to be. I mean, no matter what, they all want to be successful. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to do this. I want to do that. I've never went, met one young person that said, you know what? My heart's desire is to be full of regret and remorse. You know, I just, I, you know, I just want my life to just be, you know, you, you know, just turn out bad. Never. I've never met one young person that said, you know what? I want to be incarcerated. I want to go to jail. You never hear you, you you never hear any young person say anything like never. I've never. I've never heard any young person say, you know what? I want to get pregnant outside of marriage. I want to have a baby. I want to be a baby mama. I've never heard a, a, a dad say, you know what? I want to be a daddy, a, a, a baby daddy, and I want to be able to pay this woman that I don't talk to no more seventy percent of my check. That's what I want in life. You never hear any of that. All you hear is success. Never heard it. Have you? Anytime you ask a child about, a young person about anything, it's something they want to be that's successful. I've never heard somebody say, you know what? I want to work on the street and sell my body. I can't wait to grow up and just sell my body. No. Never. Hmm. But yet, not one thing that I've mentioned, not one thing that I've mentioned that doesn't happen. All of these things happen. All of them. They never say that's what they want, but it happens. See, failure is never an intent. Follow me. Failure is not our heart's desire, ever. Yet, it becomes an outcome. At the end. It becomes an outcome. So why? Why is it that we don't complete things? And I don't believe that it's an issue with want to. I believe you want to. But there's a reason why. I just can't complete this for my life. You don't want a big old disappointing life. You never say that. You don't want it on your obituary. This person never finished anything. Nobody wants that. But yet it's the outcome. It's the outcome. Never completing things. See, if you have a problem completing things, you need to understand why. Why is it? Even the most organized person can fail in this area. Just completing things. A lot of times we, don't, we just don't understand the why. And we look up and you say, how did I get here? What happened? How did I get in this situation? Oh my God, how did this happen? Because all of a sudden, by the time you look up, you're in it. How did I do that? Mm. 
the first thing that happens when you, when you start failing to complete an assignment, you lose sight of it. Whatever God's told you. You're going to lose sight. That's the first thing. You're going to lose sight of what? The end he showed you. Of what he said it was going to be. You lose sight of it. Some of you, God has done great things in your life and stuff, but pain or, or, or uh, a report or whatever, it'll make you lose sight of the end. See, this is where you begin to not complete. This is where people lose their healing, right here. They lose sight. This is where people lose their marriages, lose their finances, lose things that they had in their head. To, they saw at the end what they wanted to be like. Something came up and caused them to lose sight of the end that God showed them. Sometimes you can forget what was shown to you. Mary did. Remember when the, the blind man said, you know, he didn't want to die until the Savior came. And he was old. And they brought him up to him. And he touched him. And he said, now, I'm paraphrasing, now I can, I can die, I saw the Messiah. But when Jesus was on the cross, Mary was in torment. She forgot that. Because remember what he told her? He said, this is going to pierce your heart. She forgot it. She got her mind off of it. She lost focus that he told her way before it happened, when he was a little boy, what was going to happen. But when it actually happened, she was all into She was crushed. She, she can forget it. I know you think to yourself, we can think because we're on this side, we can think to ourselves, how could she ever forget that? How could you forget that miraculous birth? See, with that miraculous birth, that should have kept her just, I'm good. Because I know what this was. But see, she lost sight. And that's what we do. God will show us the end. And He's showing us what He's going to do. He said, arise and build. I'm showing you what I'm going to do. And everybody's scared. Every, and then, as time goes on, and new becomes old, we lose sight. And this is straight across the board. Whether it's in your personal life or in the church. You lose sight. That's the beginning. How you got where you are, you lost sight. Why don't you complete something? You've lost sight. Somewhere along the way. That's why I keep telling you, coming in here don't mean anything if you don't get anything. You can all the time and still lose sight. See, if you come in here with the in your head, I can't wait to get out of here. You can't learn what's being taught while you're here. You're eager to get out. So we can teach to our brains out, fall out. We can teach. We can break down. We can give you the Greek, the Hebrew. We can study till we blew in the face. But if you come in with an attitude you just want to get out, no matter what we say, you won't learn what we're teaching. You will not. And you think to yourself, what a great word. What, well, it's always a great word when it's fresh like that for you. But can you hold on to it? Can you walk in it? Because it's not great until you can walk it. It's not great until you walk it. It's good when you just hear it. 
But it's great when you can live it. Then it becomes a great word. Because I can live that. But you can't lose sight. Think about it. Understanding the ending at the start. You say, I never thought of it like that. Yes, you have. You just didn't know it. The ending from the start. You thought about it. There's not one thing that you've done that you've never thought about how the ending should be. Or seen what you thought the ending should be. When you got married and went to the altar, everybody that had gotten married and went to the altar had a thought of the way the ending would be. It might didn't turn out that way, but you have a thought. You could see the end of it. But somewhere down the line, you lost sight. That's all it is. Whenever you start indulging in what's against the Word of God, it's somewhere you just lost sight. I lost sight. Very rarely do a person that marries and go to the altar, very rarely do they not know what they want from the end. They can see it. Oh, I can see us with a family. Or they have some dreams of the way it should be. See, you, you thought of it all along. It's in, in anything that you do, you have an end the way you see it. If you're going to travel somewhere, you have an idea in your head to hide the ending you want it to be. This is what you understand. You were created in the image of God, in His likeness. See, you, you get that in your head. And God has already preordained the ending and the beginning. It's already done. You don't have to try to plan out the ending or the beginning. It's already, that's done. If you do that, that means I'm going over what God doing. I'm doing my own thing. You don't have to, God has already preordained the ending from the beginning. So if God have already established the ending from the start, and you're made like Him, then in you is the ability to complete from the ending and the start, because you're in His image. You can do it. But you gotta, you got to stay focused. See, it's, it's, not, it's not a bunch of hard work. It's, I, you can do it because you're created in His image. You have the ability to. Don't mean you will. You have the ability to. Accomplish the end at the beginning. But what causes us? What causes us to lose sight? What causes us not to complete the work? Now, I'm going to tell you, if you're in here and you're under 30 and 40, this ought to bless you. If you're under 30 or 40, listen to me closely. This message will really, really help you. Because I'm going to tell you, it's easy to lose sight of the completion. But if you get this, if you recognize this opportunity, your life will never be the same. Now write this down one time and then we're going to go through a session. Write down, I don't complete things because... Just write that once. Now I'm going to give you a few reasons. Now, 
when I give these to you, about maybe three of them, listen, it doesn't mean that all three will, all three of them together will cause you not to complete some. One of them could. You could just, just, just do one. It doesn't mean that they all have to be grouped together. Well, I didn't, I did this or not. No, any one of these can guarantee you that you won't complete. Any one of these. I might give you, now all three of them will show up to guarantee you. If you're gonna do all three of them, you, you, you're not gonna complete. But cause you not to complete. Write it down. Number one, we get distracted by others. Number one, how I come, I can't complete things. Number one, I get distracted by others. Now we're at Nehemiah. Don't think I forgot that because he was a man who completed something. He rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They were laying in waste. The city was lying in ruin. And he saw the condition of his city. He saw the condition of the people. And it grieved his heart. And he desired to do a good work. What grieves your heart? Something has to grieve your heart. He decided and he desired to restore the place. To rebuild he wanted to rebuild Jerusalem. And he went to the king. Being that now he was the king's cupbearer. So he had to have permission. Now what a cupbearer do is what, what, whatever before the king drinks anything, the cupbearer always drink it first because you're gonna get poisoned before the king. Now, the benefits of that is that you get to live in the palace. You got all the servants. You got all of that. But you're a cupbearer. So if somebody was trying to kill the king and they put poison in the cup, guess who's got to drink it first? That's an awesome position. And I wouldn't want it. Because, you know, nobody likes people in authority. And being that he was the cupbearer, he had to go to the king. Because he had to leave that place to go and rebuild Jerusalem. So he had to talk to the king. So let's pick it up here in Nehemiah chapter 2. Are you there? Beginning at verse 3. And he said unto the king, let the king live forever. See, you go in giving compliments when you want something. Oh, king, live forever. <laughs> He's already smart. Verse 3, and said unto the king, this is Nehemiah, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make this request? Why are you making this request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may rebuild it. Now, 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 look at what's happening here. Stay with me. Let me make sure I'm where I need to be. Okay. Verse 6. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? Because I'm going to need you to drink this cup before. We got, how long do you need for this? Listen. <laughs> Uh, where am I? 
Okay. For how long shall thou journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a time. So I, he told him how long it would probably take him. Now follow me with this, because we're seeing a man that has something to do. Whatever, you got to understand this, whatever God has spoken to you, and has spoken to your heart to do, he has already given you favor to do it. See, God spoke this. That's why I was grieving Nehemiah is because God spoke to him about Jerusalem and he saw what was going on. And so he found favor with the king. See, that's why I told you, it's already predetermined. It's preordained already. That's why you don't have to worry. Oh, I wonder what so-and-so is going to do. You don't have to wonder about that. All you got to do is obey God. See, the king, he wasn't worried. He just told him what he needed. And God made him find favor. God will tell you what He wants you to do, and you don't have to worry about how it's getting done. He'll show you who to go to, how to go to Him, what to do, and you're going to find favor. God will even make you find favor with your enemies. But guess what? The favor will only be for a time. (laughs) See, it's not just any time you can go. Now i got to go. I'm just going to make this good for me too. No, no, no. It's for God's purpose. And remember, it's a span of time. It's a dispensation. He's just dispensed out some time with you. So he's saying, okay, get this done. So that's why you can't procrastinate and waste time. Because there's a span of time. And the favor is within that time. So you get outside of that time, you'll find out you won't find favor. Oh, God told me to do this, and they're blocking it. Why? When did he tell you? Well, he told me this about three years ago, but I'm getting to it right now. Well, the favor's not there. That span of time may be closed. Now, see, we all, all of us in here, we all have something lying in ruins, just like Nehemiah saw. We got things lying in ruins called our families. Lying in ruins. We have some things lying in ruins that's called this generation. We have some things lying in ruins, and I can see it on the countenance of your face. I can see it on your countenance. Things that are in ruin. And God has given you a time, even now, not forever, but right now to get it right. Now, whenever you want to complete something, there will always be opposition. Know that. Go with me, Will. Turn over to chapter 6. Verse chapter 6. Here's Nehemiah. He's got the time from the king. And he's back building the walls. Let's start here in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. I said you're going to always have opposition. Now it came to pass that Simbalad and Tobiah and Geshem, and the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies, and the rest of our enemies, and the rest of our enemies, heard that I was building the wall, and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gate. Now listen to me closely, because I'm showing you how you anything that God is having you to do, you're going to have opposition. I said, you're going to have opposition. And everybody in here, everybody that have an assignment for God, everybody that belongs to God, you're going to always have a Sambalat and a Tobiah in your life. Always. And they're always going to be a flunky around with them. 
or her. They're going to always be hanging around. Look at verse 2 again. Always going to have it. Always going to have it. That, oh, I, let's read verse 2. That Sambalat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages, in the plain of, oh, no. But they thought to do me mischief. Now, now get this. That, that, that's the, just the perfect place to go. Oh, no. <laughs> A great work is always elevated. And so will your enemies see it. And others are going to always try to bring you down from it. Always. Look at verse 3. And I sent messengers unto them saying, because remember they asked him to come down in verse 2. And let's go hang out in the villages. And he said, I sent messages down saying, I'm not doing a, I am doing a great work and that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sword. And I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sambalat his servant unto me in like manner. The fifth time with an open letter in his hand. Wherein was written, it is reported among the heathen. And Gishmu, and Gashmu said it. That thou and the Jews think to rebel for which cause thou buildest the wall. That thou mayest be their king according to these words. Okay. See, this is the problem with people. Listen to me. I'm showing you how you always miss it. This is the problem with people. And this is also the problem with you. You need to stop talking to somebody that can't solve the problem. Now they didn't send messages, open letter. They telling him, yeah, well, we hear that y'all trying to gonna rebel and you're gonna try to set yourself up the king. Oh, sometimes you don't have to answer. When don't answer opposition. Listen. If this was true, then Nehemiah doesn't need to talk to Sambalat. He don't need to talk to Nehemiah needs to talk to the king. See, sometimes you, you, too. See, they coming with all this. Don't talk to them. If I, if you got a problem, you got a situation, I need to talk to the king, not you. Listen to me closely, showing you how. But listen, listen to me. Fools will fool you. I've seen it in this ministry. And I've seen it all over the body of Christ. Fools will fool you. Then you become that fool. Look at verse 8. Then I said unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou said, but thou fiendest or made them up out of thine own heart. Listen. In other words, you just made something up. Let me tell you, when people, when God has called you to do something and you start doing it, people will start making stuff up on you. And they're going to get right around you that they know they can fool. 
Showing you how you keep missing. He said, now you all just made that up. Nehemiah knew who his enemies were. Now these are, listen, these are not enemies that are hostile in that sense. These were enemies that was asking him, let's just hang out. See, we always think the enemies are the ones that are hostile. But these guys wanted to say, come on down, let's go down, come on down and hang out. They wanted to hang out, but they were enemies. Why? Because they were in opposition to what God wanted him to do at that time. They saw what he was doing. They saw him start moving and start accelerating toward it. And they start getting messed up about that. So they start friendly. Let's go do this. You can, we can, do, you can do that anytime. Let's go hang out here. Let's do this. You always, let me tell you, every time you get to a place where you want to go on with God and somebody's pulling you away, that's an enemy. You don't recognize it because they're a friendly enemy. Oh no, they love me. <laughs> Now listen to me. This is the hardest lesson for believers to learn. And it's even harder for the young adults and young people to learn is who are their enemies. And you know why it's hard? Because the enemies are the ones you want to hang out with. See, that's the problem. You want to hang out with them. That's why it's so hard for you to see them as an enemy. You want to hang out with them, but I want you to know they're not your friends. They're your enemies. Why? Because they're trying to get you to come down from the work. They're trying to get to you to waste your time. Listen. Obviously, they're not going to be working. They're not doing anything. So they have time. That's one of the hardest things. You know, there was a movie, uh, I guess a long, kind of an old movie, called Sleeping with the Enemy. Oh, we do it all the time. I remember some years ago, God was telling people to readjust their friendships with people and, and to, to let go of some friendship. They couldn't see it. And it's getting them on the back end. They didn't see it. And you still don't see it. Because you think they're your friend. Anytime someone tries to stop you from going, doing what God has told you to do, or they have an excuse why you shouldn't be doing it, or they have something for you to do when it's time for you to do the things of God, that is an enemy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter sleeping with the enemy. It doesn't matter if you're married. If they're trying to prevent you. If you got a spouse that's trying to prevent you from doing the things of God. I'm sorry, you're sleeping with the enemy. If you can't come to church until they come, you're sleeping with the enemy. This is an individual walk. If they're giving you every excuse to stay home with them, you're sleeping with the enemy. Let me show you how that works. You were enrolled in college. 
You may have even had a good job. You were about the things of God. You loved God. You were obedient to your parents. Mm, it would take a few, but you would, you, you would honor them. You respected your pastor and his wife. You respected those in authority. And the enemy said, come down and sleep with me. And you loved the enemy. And as soon, listen, as soon as either your belly was swollen, or your job got shaky, or you came defiant to your parents, you cut off those that it was in spiritual authority. You disrespected those in authority. You had your own way. You know, you, those that had spiritual authority, mm-mm. Once it was done, they proved to you they were an enemy. The fool fooled you. They proved to you they were the enemy. And then all of a sudden, if they got your belly swollen, they'd be like, I don't have time for that. Proving to you they were enemy. I'm not about that. You didn't know how to take care of yourself. That's an enemy. I'm teaching you how you get distracted when God has called you to something. To another kind of life. And how we get distracted by other folk. But Sister Hill, what if I repented? Good for you. And you should. But do you think you've escaped anything? The wages of sin is death. You can't get around that. God doesn't change that for you because you repented. God loves you, you're going to go to heaven, but let me tell you, you've set things in motion. You've set things in motion because you let the enemy fool you and God had you on a path. I remember even God was saying, if you don't do it now, you're going to want me to use you later and I can't. See, you done forgot, I haven't. See, I can forget a lot of things, but when I'm under anointing, I don't. So you don't remember that, but I do. And God most certainly does. God said, no, you said, God, I'll come to you when it's time. But let me do my thing now. And God let you. Now, okay, God, I'm ready. But remember what he said. He said, I wanted to use you in the other dispensation. You're behind. Doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Don't mean you're not going to heaven. Now, remember in one of our early teachers, maybe it'll come around again or maybe not. You better hang in there. You better fall on your face before God. Because some way you got off focus. You lost focus. Somebody distracted you. Now all of a sudden you can see clear. I don't think so. It don't work like that. Letter A. 
Other people distract you when it's clear that you can finish. There it is right there. That's when your distractions can come. When they see that they know you really can do something from God, and they like, oh Lord, they can really do something. Some people won't even show up until they see that you're about to complete something. Then all of a sudden they tip back in your life. Be like, where did they come from? All of a sudden. They see that God is about to use you or God is using you. When they can see that you are about to complete something, they ramp up what they need to do. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something now because I see you doing something. One thing about Pastor Hill that I always loved and enjoyed about him because he was was a very strategic man. And he was very, very, very organized and very, very, he was a very smart man. And one thing he would do when he used to play video games and stuff when he was young, what he, what he would do, especially with my sons and stuff when they were young, he would play a game and he'd play it long enough to get the score really, really high and then walk away. And they'd be like, oh, Dad, we can play. And he'd be like, well, why do I need to play? I got the high score. You know, you know, he would just, you know, he would do it just enough so they can get in there and they do it. Because he, let me tell you, he was very competitive. Very competitive. And as long as he knew that he was on top in that game, he wasn't worried. He let them play. And if he thought, if he thought that they were getting close to what his number was, he knew how to play that too. He'd start talking a little trash to him. And say, you ready? You ready for this? You know, just talking little, little trash and stuff. If he thought they were getting a little close, he'd be like, okay. He'd start talking and stuff and slowing down the game and making different deals. He was very strategic. But, and I'm trying to get to a point here. He would not, he, because again, he was very competitive. He wasn't letting them get ahead, but when it was close, he made sure that he did everything to distract them from getting there where he wanted. That's what people do. They say, oh, you're about to do something. All of a sudden, they got big stuff for you. They start talking. They start doing. They start distracting you because they see that you're about to do something. And you fall for it. People won't show up until they clearly see that you can complete something. Oh, they about to they about to get with it. They'll show up. You know why? They don't want you to complete. They don't want you to complete. And they're gonna show up to do this, test your character. Let me see if you really real about what you say you believe in and what you're gonna do. That's the first thing I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if you're real. Then they show they they, they try to see if you're committed to what you say, they say, well, let's see. Let's see. Okay, let's, let, let me put out something that we used to do. This is show me if they're really real or if they stand where they want to or if they are they on the border of it. Because if so, I can push it on through. Because it looks like they're changing. They're changing on me. Giving you different ones. Woo, got to run. Others can distract you. When they see you are a threat. See, if you're a threat, you got to learn this. See, you have to know who your enemies are. You have to know that. you got to know that. Some people see you as a threat. 
What do you mean, Sister Hill? Threat. In other words, if you actually complete something, you know what? It's going to expose me. Because I'm supposed to be your friend. See, people talk about your marriage, and when you get yours together, now it's a threat to them. They're like, oh, Lord, I didn't mean for, them to, for it to start working. Why? Because now it exposes how yours is. How yours look. People talk about how you raise your children. And then they start seeing fruit coming. Now it's a, a threat. Because it exposes some things. Let me tell you. You can do all you want to. And you can say all you want to. And my sons have made a mistake. But I remember Pastor Hill said, and I'm going to say it to you just like he said, just wait and see the end. You wait until you see the end of both of my sons. It's there. I'm going to rejoice in it. And the dad is going to rejoice. You just wait. I know. You think you know. You far from knowing. Trying to just teach you something. Tonight, Here's the threat. They can also, listen, the threat also to them, I can no longer take advantage of them. See, the enemy always take advantage of me. Some of you in here, you know, and I smile because you're kind of antsy around me. Because you got caught up in some foolishness about me or whatever. You know, people are just going to do that and stuff. And, you, you know, you, you can't quite, you know, you want to be okay, but you, uh, let me tell you. All you did was get caught up. All you did was get caught up. Don't, don't, you, don't even worry yourself with that. Just say to yourself, I'll no longer let them take advantage of me. See, people that don't complete anything, they will take advantage of you. That's the first thing they're going to they're gonna take advantage of. You know what it's called? It's called codependency. See, if you get really caught up into Jesus and you really get complete in Him, you're not going to depend on me anymore. You're going to cut me off. So every time you come close to com- completing something, they're going to come and they're going to manipulate your feelings. They're going to come and they're going to manipulate your emotions. They're going to manipulate your relationship. They're going to try to get back close to you. Why? Why? Why do you want to get back close to me? It's called manipulation. Some people are perfected in manipulation. See, now you're trying to come back into the knowledge of who you are in God. And you're not going to keep me supplied. You, you know, you'll find out and you'll know who your enemies are. Enemies don't always look mad. Sometimes they smile. Another distraction, letter C, when they decide to glory in your failure. We don't realize some people are living to glory in your failure. They're waiting for you to fail. They want to make a big deal about the fact that you didn't do it. They want you to fail. They want your marriage to fail. You have to know who your enemies are. 
And if you don't complete something, it's not their fault. You don't blame them. You came down off the wall. Not them. Don't, what, what you mad at them for? I can't believe they got me all involved with that and now they going, I, it tickles me. I'm like, they'll wrap up with you until they get what they want. Then they don't want to have nothing to do with you until they see that you're going to start doing something. Then they'll ease back into your life. To break it down. You're not codependent. Know who your enemies are. I'm not supplying you anymore. Don't, you're not gonna go, you get glory in my failure. They're waiting for you to fail. But you came down off the wall. This is what you need to understand. They're not gonna come up the wall. So you gotta come down. They're not gonna come up. See, you're safe up. You, you know why? It makes you, it makes you look better. When you're on the wall and you look down, listen, they do look better. When you're on the wall and you look down, they do look better. When you're on the wall doing the work, building, arising, building, doing what God has called you to do, and you look down from their vantage, they look good. Listen. But once you come down off the wall and you get a close-up, you see what you really got. <laughs> Some of you got a close-up now. And you see what you really got. See, it's sort of like, let me give you an example. It's sort of like taking a selfie. How do we take selfies? You always, it's up. Why? Because it looks better the further back you get because you're looking down on it. Close up. Oh, no. Everybody. And they even got the selfie stick. The further back. Notice it's up. Looking down. Making sure it looks good. Let's take a selfie. Nobody say, let's take a selfie. No, no. They go up and out. Because when you look down, it looks good. But after you take that selfie, do this and bring it in close. You go, But it looks good from afar off. From up at the top. But once you come down, you get a closer look. It all becomes clear. It all becomes clear. Another distraction. Letter D. When we take on their agenda. See, Nehemiah was smart. He said, I'm not going to take on your mischief. That's your agenda. You meeting with me, that's your agenda. You know what? When people say, I want to meet with you and talk to you, that's their agenda. Not yours. They want to meet and talk to you. You don't want to meet and talk with them. That's their agenda. Just because somebody want to talk to you doesn't mean you need to talk to them. Did you hear me? Just because somebody want to talk to you don't mean you need to talk to them. That's their agenda. I'm doing something today. When can I call you? I have to talk to you about something. 
that their agenda. Why? Because your day was planned. You already knew what you were going to do. You already planned it out when you woke up. Now, all of a sudden, why are you going to stop now and, 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 and outline and get into their mischief? And let me tell you, manipulators know how to say stuff in such a way to make it seem like they're not really causing a problem, but they are. Better learn. I'm telling you, you better learn this is why you're not able to complete anything. All of these little things are in your life. There's people that have left this church because of another person's issue. How silly is that? Because of another person's issue. They had issues with the church. And some people are so dumb. Some people are so dumb, I wonder, how did they finish college? They dumb enough to fall for that. How in the heck did they finish college? A college ain't all what it's cracked up to be. I guess you don't have to be that smart to go. You leave the church because of somebody else's issue. That's foolish. You were fine with the church until you heard their issue. Then you make their issue your campaign. I'm okay with you. I wish I would. And this is what get me. Now, one thing that Pastor Hill, myself, have always tried to, I always be very transparent with the women when we go places. I never try to pull myself apart. I get in it just like them. If everybody, if people came around, nobody would ever know I was a pastor's wife, an interim pastor, or anything else because I just, I'm transparent. Just who I am. I'll always do that. Because I know who I am. I know my faults. I know my weaknesses. I know everything there is to know about me. And some things I don't know that God knows. But I'm here to tell you when you find that nobody can tell me. And then when I make myself transparent, how can anybody listen to somebody else about somebody that have made themselves transparent to you? Now that's just dumb. You don't do that. But they'll play it. They'll play it till they get you looking for things. And let me tell you, if you look long enough with me, you're going to find a fault. Get close up. You'll say, oh, I thought her face was smooth. No, that bumps up under there. See, if you get up close enough, you'll find fault. Because nobody's perfect. And I'm not going to claim to be. And if you claim to be, you're lying. But, but again, don't be mad at them. They doing what an enemy does. It's you you ought to be mad at. Because you fell for it. Some relationships will never be restored behind foolishness. Never. Never. And it's okay. You can still, some people don't understand that you can still walk in love and never have a relationship. Like that no more. You can you can do that. Some people think you have to you have to be like we were before. To no, you don't. Some sometimes so much has been done, it'll never be that ever. But I can still love you. 
I can still love you. There are some of you in here that never got it right with pastor. And it's too late. Because of another person's issue. And now all you do is you're in the Oh, I wish I could talk to the pastor. I wish... <sighs> oh, I wish I could talk to Sister Hill. You don't, have to, you don't have to talk to me about nothing. Just talk to God. Sometimes you can do some things and that can never be restored back to the, what it once was. Some things you can, sometimes it won't. And you have to be okay with that. Move on. Move on. That ship has passed. Listen, better still, sexual sin is always another person's agenda. Did you hear me? I'm out of time, but we're going to finish this. Sexual sin is always another person's agenda. Listen, when you're involved in sex, that is their agenda. Nobody's looking out for you. That is the person's agenda. And you both are participating. When somebody wants something for you like that, that's their agenda. Why are you going to come down to satisfy somebody else's agenda? Why did you come down? Why did you go down? Why did you get down for another person's agenda? And you wonder why you can't complete anything. That's another person's agenda. You don't, you don't, you don't do things for other person's agenda. You don't lay down for somebody else's agenda. Go with me to James chapter 1. For some of you, you can only imagine what your grade point average would be. Listen, if you would not... So just think of where some of your grade average would have been if you weren't distracted by people. Some of you, it wouldn't have been hard for you to get into any school, but you were distracted. Oh yeah, yeah, God said it. God said your grade point average would have been way up there if you wasn't distracted. But you were. Know that. Now if God said it, He knows. And you might have had an okay grade point average, but God said you could have excelled, but you were distracted. By other people. Then it was their agenda. We don't complete things because we are drawn away. What do you mean? You, when you, what do you mean when you say drawn away? In other words, write it down. You are drawn away when you, when you are given to uh, uh, different things and situations that takes you away from God's given beginning from you. When I'm drawn away, I'm telling you, when you're drawn away, you see, it's just, why can't I concentrate? Then you're being drawn away. Why can't I stay focused on I used to can stay focused on this. Why? I've been drawn away. Whatever God has told me to do, something has come and drawn me away. This is a way that you can tell, one of the ways you can tell that you've been drawn away. Listen. You can tell when you've been drawn away because you start setting new goals. Oh, you missed that one. 
You had goals of what you want to do. But all of a sudden you start making new goals. As a young person, you go for, you, you go for, I can't, listen, you go from, I can't wait to go to college till, to this. This is how you change your goals. You no longer say you can't wait to go to college. Now you can't wait to get out your parents' house. You change goals. Now you can't wait to get out of your parents' house. You changed. It used to be, oh, I just can't wait to go to college. Now I can't wait to get out of my parents' house. When was that goal ever put into place? You never talked about that when you was in the sixth grade. It was never about getting out your parents' house when you was in the seventh grade, the eighth grade. But now you're in the twelfth. Are you getting out of the twelfth? I can't wait to get out. I don't want to stay at home. I want to get out. I, you, it's not so much you want to go to college in as much as I want to get out of their house. When did that become a goal? That's a new goal. That's already letting you know I've already began to change. And I'm already not going to complete. That's called drawing away. To be drawn away also means to allow myself to be pulled off course. It means to drift, drift away from the appointed goal. You're drifting. I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to go here, but I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But you were sure before. That's a sign that you're drifting away. That's a sign that I'm not going to complete something. Something else is on my mind. Other than the appointed goal set for me. Now I'm drifting away from it. It was already set. And then your parents even say, well, I thought you wanted to do this. I thought you wanted to do it. I don't know now. I don't know. You're uh, drifting away. And you're not going to complete. You know, when you got married. And you said vows. You set a course. You set a course. How have you been pulled away and off that course? You have to start drifting first. You have to start drifting away from the appointed goal. Now there's other goals. You planned on buying a house. You planned on this. You planned on that. You plan. Let me tell you, some of you, God was like, none of this you should ever have had. Some of you had jobs you should never have had. It just set you back. It gave you arrogance. It made you foolish. And you get another job and then you want to come humble. Something you have to say, no, no. Are you listening to me? We're almost finishing up. This is important. To be drawn away means to allow myself to be pulled off course. It means to drift away from an appointed goal. In other words, there's an appointed goal set for me and now I'm drifting from it. I'm allowing myself to be pulled off course. It also means to lose our original sense of direction. All of a sudden your direction is not clear. 
You had a sense of direction, where you wanted to go, how you wanted to do it. All of a sudden, that sense of direction is off. Know that you're leading and you're heading for something you're not going to complete. Going to end in failure. Did you hear me? Listen to me. Listen to me closely. How did you lose the original sense of direction? How? You lost sight. Back to you lost sight. All of a sudden you lose sight. Because something else has your sight. Write this down. We are drawn away when we allow ourselves to be tempted and yield. When we allow ourselves to be tempted and yield. You know, the older I get, the more mature I get in the Word of God. And the more I realize this one thing. And I'm, I'm, I put it down in my notes, but this is for me, but it will help you. The older I get and the more mature I get in the things of God, I realize that the power of temptation is what we allow. I said again, the power of temptation is what we allow. You know, when you're younger, you think that temptation is uh, tempting, but the power of it, we, you know, we like, oh yeah, I can, I can handle this. Mm-mm. Temptation is what you allow. Because the Bible said there's no temptation that's taking you that's not common. It's common to man. So when I say it is the temptation's fault, why did, temp- uh, you know, why did temptation tempt me? If you think it's the temptation's fault, why did it tempt you and the last man it tempted and they passed it, but you didn't? No, it was what you allowed. Temptation can't make you do anything. Because the same temptation came to you, came to the last man. And they didn't yield. You yielded because you allowed it. You can't say, I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't not yield to this. No, somebody did. You allowed it. You don't understand, Sister Hill, it's so tempting to smoke. To get high. To do opioids. For those of you who don't know what opioid is, the painkillers that they sell out there that you can go to prison for. So yeah, I was tempted. I just had one one time. Well, it's temptation for everybody. But guess what? Everybody's not an addict. So somebody's not yielding. It's what you allow. It's what you allow. Drugs didn't catch everybody. So why did it catch you? You allowed it. Everybody don't smoke, whether it's weed or cigarettes or whatever. Everybody don't. So why did it catch you? Everybody is not an alcoholic. But why did it catch you? Because you allowed it. The temptation is simply that. It's just temptation. And it's only, it'll stay just that until you yield. And you have to allow that. And you have to allow that. 
See, for a fisherman to catch a fish, the fish have to bite. Oh, you missed that. For a fisherman to catch a fish, the fish have to bite. You could throw a lure all day long. You could move it around and everything. But unless the fish bite, you're not catching them. And guess what? The only way a fish will bite, you know, it'll even nibble. Sniff around it. Nibble here, nibble there. But it's not till they bite that you catch them. And guess what? No moving fish ever get caught. It's the one that stops and bites. So if you're always moving in God, you ain't never going to get caught. And see, you're never going to allow temptation to catch you. Only one that's going to get caught is when you stop. And start hanging around it. Nibbling a little bit on it. Start kissing a little. Start touching a little. Start feeling a little. Sniff around. That's what fish do. They see the lure and they see the deal and they kind of around and they sniff it. And look, once they bite, whoop, they, that's the first thing you see the fishermen do. When, and, they, and they can feel the bite. Soon as they, they like, I'm not letting you off the hook. They pull it in and they start wailing. Well, it's the same way with temptation. Temptation just... And let me tell you, and they keep reeling it in and have to throw another one as long as the fish is moving. As long as it's moving. It's, it's, it's a fool in there. Wait a it's a fool in there. And, they, and, they, and let me tell you, fishermen are patient. So is temptation. I'll wait for you to bite because you're a nibbler. You like to play with it. For a little bit. But once you open your mouth, you're going to be hooked. Once you're hooked, you'll never finish anything. I don't care. I, you know, I don't care how people put you up on a pedestal. God knows the truth and you do too. Just, it, see, all it takes is a minute to look and start nibbling. Did you nibble? All I can tell you tonight is don't be a fish. Because there is a hook out there. And there's bait on it. There's bait in college. There's bait in your home. There's bait on the work job. There's bait everywhere. Don't keep your eye on it. Don't keep nibbling around it because history says if you get hooked, you're going to become an addict. You become a drug addict from nibbling. You start nibbling on weed. And all of a sudden, you start crack. Alright, you know, we can use anything. Sex. You start nibbling on kissing and necking. You start nibbling on that. Your clothes is coming off. You know what? I don't even want to fool with you and talk to you when you're playing games. 
You come straight forward and say, no, don't try to make yourself look good. I'm not really doing that. You know, I'm still a virgin. No, 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 no. Now you're lying. So you're the only fish that can stop and not get caught. Impossible. If you've been nibbling, you're in it. James 1. Are you at James right quick? Come on, you okay? You ain't got nowhere to go. Yes, I do. You okay? That's how single parents become single parents. Nibbling. Did you know that? You only become a single parent because you're nibbling. That nibble, nibble. James chapter 1, verse 12. Let me get there. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know, I just dropped something on Facebook before I came back to church and, and looking over my notes and I was saying there, but I'm going to say it to you. Lust always seems like love until it requires a sacrifice. Then you'll find out it wasn't love at all. Love, lust looks like love until you have to sacrifice. A quick list that we are drawn away with. Letter A, when we look at ungodly things. Just write them down. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to say them out. When we listen to ungodly people. Go back to the time that you, just looking at ungodly things, go back to the time that you didn't complete something. You were looking at some ungodly things. See, you can't look to complete something and look at ungodly too. That's why the Bible said, let your eye be single. Because you can't do both. Listen to ungodly people. Not and Now, when I say ungodly people, I'm not talking about listening to unsaved people. I'm talking about ungodly people. Whether it be people you know, whether it's people you view online, on TV, people you work with, you start listening, whether it's family members, the ungodly people, you're going to get drawn away. You get drawn away when you admire ungodliness. Write it down. When you start to admire ungodliness, you will be drawn away. You know why? Because we usually chase after what we admire. So if you admire something that's ungodly, you're going to chase after it. You can't admire, listen, you can't admire one thing and end up another thing. <laughs> you can't do it. If you admire it, you're going to chase after it. You're going to end up what you admire. Don't let anybody deceive you and don't deceive yourself. Once you start to admire ungodliness, you will be drawn away to it. And we get drawn away, letter D, when we experiment with ungodly activities. Experimenting on sex. Experimenting with drugs. Experiment with lying. Okay, I'm just going to tell them a lie and just see if I get away with it. 
You're being drawn away. When we look at ungodly things and begin to listen to ungodly people and admire ungodly, uh, ungodliness, eventually we start experimenting with ungodly activities. Once you get there, you are not being drawn away. You are now drawn away. I don't care how much you come in this building. I don't care how many words you hear. You're chasing, you're chasing new goals. You're after new things. Now write these down. I'm not going to go to them because we're out of time. Write these down. And I want you to go home and I want you to read them. Proverbs chapter 11. Listen, my final point. Final point. You don't complete because you reject counsel. Oh, how many people. You know what? This thing I have learned. I do not give people that reject my counsel, counsel anymore. The only counsel you get from me is from here. There is no private counseling. People that I've spent time with trying to mentor or give my counsel to, once I know that God has taught me that, you reject my counsel, I don't give it to you anymore. And when you reject the counsel, godly counsel, from somebody that God has placed in authority, I want you to know now you have now, are now taking your own counsel. And you know how, much, how that has happened and what that leads to. And you will call your counsel God's counsel. God said, stop counseling them. Aren't you tired of them pissing on you? Yes. He said, you, they come there and they get counsel from the platform. I've taken too many under my wings. And have taken too much blunt from it. I don't do that. You know, some of you should know that a lot of things in your life would have been different if you would only, you know, if you would only have listened. Nothing fancy. I don't have fancy counsel. I just show you where you're wrong or where you're right. But if you only would have listened. If you only would have listened. It wasn't like no one ever told you. Write down Proverbs 11 verse 14. Write down Proverbs 12 verse 15. Proverbs 15 verse 22. Just write the Proverbs the one time and then you can do those. I'll go at the beginning. Proverbs 11 and 14. Proverbs 12 and 15. Proverbs 15 and 22. And Proverbs 19 and 20. And I, if you thought I was finished, we got one more. Proverbs 20 and 18. Now these things that when you go home and read tonight, these things were given by the most wisest man that has ever been. And I believe that he was wise because he wouldn't take his own counsel. This you need to understand. Before you pick a fight, make sure you know all the facts. When you reject counsel, you reject authority. When you reject counsel, you reject wisdom. When you reject counsel... 
you reject godly fellowship. Because a lot of times it's just good. It's just, you know what? Sometimes it's just being around good people that you can, that counsels you. Just being around them. You can always tell when you're not going to finish or complete something. Because people you want to be around, listen, this is the final statement. This is how you know that you're not going to complete something. The people that you want to be around are usually compromisers. Those are the people you enjoy being around. Already know, I'm not going to complete anything. And it's because you don't have the tolerance to be around those that speak in truth. You don't have the tolerance for that. You run from people that preach in truth. You run to people that are compromisers. I watch people around here. I see who you run to. And I usually don't watch everybody, but I watch those that, that's in the process that need to be healed. I like to see what you gather to. You usually gather to those that want to compromise. Because you're no longer focused on completing anything. You've picked another goal. You're no longer focused on anything or completing anything. Your focus is on another goal. Now these are some things that just get you all focused. These are things that you gotta you gotta examine in your life because I'm telling you, it's very important that you understand. God gave this to you for a reason. He's showing you where you keep missing it. Let me tell you, I, I keep my circle very small for a reason. For a reason. I talk to everybody and I fellowship with everybody, but my circle is very small. And it's for a reason. You don't let everybody in your circle. And you certainly don't let anybody in your circle that have broken your trust. Never. But if you keep it small and tight, you're fine. It's when you let everybody come in, there's drama and there's foolishness. Keep your circle tight. Surround yourself with godly people. And let me tell you, they'll counsel you without even being one-on-one. Just in their presence, they'll counsel you. If I can count on my hands how many times that I've been with people, and not to, to, to put any status on me like I'm somebody, but, just, uh, but, but I do know I walk in holiness and godliness. But if I can talk so many times that people say, you know what, just being around you, you said some things that you didn't even know about. Are you there? It, it wasn't one-on-one counsel. We just fellowshipping, just in the presence. And how many times I've been around people and they've counseled me and not even known it. Just being around. See, you got to push yourself and be around those people. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.